Trinity Baptist Church. I wish he wasn't in our family. These words, spoken by our seven-year-old about our third-born, cut our three-and-three-quarters-year-old boy to the quick. Mind you, both our first- and second-born sons bear an Asperger's diagnosis. In other words, they are geniuses who can't figure out how in the world their spiteful words harm others. And this lack of awareness is not their fault. And yet, his words to his younger brother, the ones about not being born into our family, they sear me, too. Me, Nicole, this mama of four, woman girl who was called a pain and a nuisance, too loud, too much, too big. They cut me these labels. And I have never wanted any of my precious progeny to wear the masks I have worn to project a counterfeit version of themselves, to suffer the results of someone branding them a false name, when the giver of life has deemed them something so different, so completely other, beings more cherished than I could ever convey to them. But those false labels, they run deep, they hurt, and you look back on an eight-year-old version of yourself donning a habitually happy face, a child performer, straight-A student, star athlete, happy, 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 when really the pains of physical and sexual and verbal and emotional abuse raged within a tiny chest. So I became a counterfeit Nicole, pushing hard, moving to New York City at the age of 17, when Nicole, who was the best singer and actor and dancer and athlete this city had seen, and I was good. Holy moly, I was good. <laughs> Till I couldn't keep up anymore. Till I began starving, and it felt good and awful and perfect, and it was a mask that covered the shame of abuse, and it hurt, and I deserved the hurt. I thought I deserved the hurt, and I nearly died. Then Jesus found me, and I met my insanely wonderful husband and had four gorgeous babies and lived happily ever after. The end. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. It's ongoing, this whole search for the truth that will set us free, isn't it? At least that's been my experience. Jesus said that if we abide in him, we shall be free indeed. But I have to ask, can, we, can complete abiding truly happen on this planet plagued by sin? If it is the sin that enslaves us, sin that includes counterfeit labels thrust upon us by the evil one himself, can true freedom and the real we long for happen before we get to heaven? I kind of think not. But that's not entirely discouraging, nor does that mean our Jesus can't help us peel away certain masks with his healing love. Indeed, it was his grace that led my cracked heart to Julian, a man who has encouraged me with his unconditional love to be Nicole, to understand that loud is not bad and taking up space is okay, and being authentic to the spirit God breathed inside of you is admirable and not shameful. And then the good Lord flung four beautiful blessings into our lives, and it's been healing to watch these odd, authentic creatures be entirely real because they don't know how else to be. But when I traded in my tap shoes for a triple stroller, I sadly swapped the performer mask in for the perfect mama mask. And in the age of social media, masks are easily donned. Your Facebook avatar can project basically whatever cheery, together version of yourself you can create. That mask was painfully stripped away when we had our third child. I couldn't keep up. 
couldn't be that spinning perfect mama anymore. No way. Instead, I've opted for authenticity. It's shocking, not as exhausting being real. And guess what? There's freedom in that. This is not to say that I am completely free per se. Food and eating is still a major struggle. I still hold myself to impossible standards as a wife and mama, and I'm sure I'll wear more masks as this life unrolls. But I can say with absolute certainty that my name is Nicole Cornell, and I am free-er. <laughs> We're going to read scripture, and it's I have I have what it's I have it here, but it's Genesis one, right? Oh, Genesis three, one through ten. Okay, that's what I have printed out, but I just didn't have the heading. So okay, so you can go ahead and take out your device and follow along if you want. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom... She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you very much. So, have you ever worn a mask? Yeah. Maybe you're even wearing one today. You know, the masks that Nicole talked about that we wear where we um, hide. Sorry, let me just log in here. Um, (laughs) Where we hide what's really going on with us. It's hard not to wear masks at times, especially if you're trying to be, you know, a good Christian, right? Because a good Christian is supposed to be kind and, and gracious and loving and joyful and, oh yeah, righteous, right? But sometimes we don't live in that space. And because we're good Christians, we don't want to let other people know that we're not living in that space. And so we put on these masks to hide what's really going on behind, inside of us. 
And if you think it's hard, um, you know, to not wear a mask if you're going to be a good Christian, think about being a religious professional. Right? I mean, religious professionals have to wear all kinds of masks just to keep their job sometimes. And so I've been a religious professional for most of my life now. My, um, I turned 55 last week. Um, was it last week? And I know I look 30. It's shocking to you. Um, but I've been, I've been um, you know, on some kind of ministry staff since, um, you know, I was 23 years old, 24 years old. So I've been this religious professional, and so I know that all about wearing masks. Because over the course of my life, I have worn tons of masks, and because I have, I think I have some insight that might be helpful for us um, if you are a fellow mask wearer, because I kind of consider myself an expert when it comes to wearing masks. The problem with wearing a mask is that life is real. And when we go through life as, as actors or actresses, we may feel um, better and maybe more comfortable in, in certain moments, but ultimately it isn't better and the comfort is false. Uh, there's a great danger that life, real life, will pass us by and we'll die never having lived. And that would be sad in and of itself, but the masks we wear bind us to roles that rob us of the freedom that Christ came and died to give us. If you're visiting this week or if you missed last week, as, as Dave said um, in the announcement time, this is the second week in this series called Free where we are uh, looking at what it means to experience the freedom that Christ came to give us. In um, Galatians 5, Paul says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So how do we, how do we live in that freedom? And we're, we're looking specifically at the context of relationships because um, when you boil everything down, it really comes down to relationships. Jesus said when you boil it all down, it comes down to loving God and loving others. Relationships. And so how do we live free in, in the relationships that, with others and with God? Last week, we, we kicked off the series trying to define freedom. And what we, um, what we wrestled with is the fact that, or the reality, that freedom is not what our cultural mindset says freedom is. Freedom is not what... Um, Elsa in Frozen sings, uh, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. That's not freedom. Freedom is not what a lot of people filled out on those strips of paper where they said freedom is um, doing what I want to do whenever I want to do it. What we saw last week is that that is an unworkable definition. It just doesn't work in real life. 
And if you weren't here, you can listen to the podcast. But, um, but the, the bottom line to it is that we define freedom as having choices. Because we have to choose. We always have to choose between, uh, choose over things. And some things are more life-giving and some things are less life-giving. Some things are more soul-freeing and some are, are soul-enslaving. And we just have to choose where we're going to live. This morning, we're going to look at this choice between counterfeit and real. And it's the idea that we all have this tendency to hide behind masks that are not the real us. And hiding behind masks keeps us in bondage. True freedom comes when we choose to not hide behind masks. And we get real with ourselves, we get real with God, and we get real with each other. Often we think the safest place to be, the safest place to put those parts of my life that I'm, uh, where I'm afraid or I feel shame or um, I'm struggling with something, we feel like the, the safest place for that is behind a mask. And the reality is I've spent a lot of my life hiding behind masks where I've put the things that I've done wrong, where I put choices that I'm ashamed of, the things that I've done that I think might make you think less of me. I put all of those things behind a mask because I want to hide. And the truth is hiding runs real deep in all of us. In the first story of the Bible, after the first man and woman did what God told them to do, did you notice how they responded? Nicole read this to us. It says, The man and his wife heard the the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So I hid. So I hid. We're still hiding today. That same fear lives inside me, and it lives inside of you, and it leads us to hide and conceal stuff that we're, um, we're ashamed of. It tempts us to believe that that we can live one life that everyone sees and have another life that is secretly hidden behind this mask. Here's my question to you. Are you going to hide behind the mask for the rest of your life? Many of us would actually answer, yeah, I think I will. We believe deep down, and we have since this this story in the very beginning, that we'll be safest behind the mask. We think that certain distressing or or humiliating or, or sinful things that we've experienced in our lives, we think nobody ever should ever know about those. That 
I, I don't, I'm not going to share that with anybody. And we hope that those secrets will go with us to the grave. But here's the thing. When we take our secrets to the grave, the grave actually ends up inside of us. Sin and death take root inside us. And we end up being in bondage to the very thing that we are trying to hide from everyone else. Friends, when we take those things to the grave, when we try to take those things to the grave, we live in bondage. Why? Because you cannot live free in isolation. Jesus made us, God made us for relationship. And we need to be in relationship with him and relationship with each other so that we can experience the healing that comes from relationship. We can't heal ourselves. Um, We cannot heal if our life remains behind a mask. See, this is true with every aspect of our lives. You cannot intend to surrender. You, You... can turn inward and reflect, but you'll always feel in bondage if part of your life remains hidden behind a mask. So let's talk about some of the masks we wear and why those masks rob us from freedom. Sadly, many of us um, wear masks that we show ourselves. And somebody has said that um, the, the first person a con artist must con is himself. Have you heard that? Um, that's what we do. We con ourselves. And we, we, we take our, our self-image often from, from what other people say about us. And if, if people have have told you from childhood, as as Nicole shared um, in her story, if people have have told you from childhood you're worthless, you kind of take that on and and you tell yourself that. You put that mask on and then you become prey for every power hungry manipulator that would come your way. Or sometimes we put on a mask of of superiority um, and and then we become condescending to other people who have never, you know, that we think haven't reached our level of spiritual maturity. Or, or sometimes we, if we see ourselves as, as, you know, just worthless, guilty sinners, then we start feeling guilty for everything. You know that earthquake that happened in Na- Nepal? My fault. You know, I mean, we start, we, we start taking on everything. Because we're wearing these, these masks that are, not, that are not real. When you deal with life from a perspective of a, of a, you know, a, a false mask, one that others have given you or one that you have imposed on yourself, you can lose the freedom Christ came to give you. Masks often make our reactions inappropriate. They make our assessments flawed, and they make our decisions skewed. Friends, can I tell you what I know about Jesus? 
Jesus is not into good self-images or bad self-images. Jesus is just into what's real. The reality behind the mask we hide behind and show even to ourselves. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said to the Laodiceans, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich. And white garments, so that you may clothe yourselves, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Jesus is saying, look at what's true. Look at what's real. I can handle it, and I can heal it. We hear a lot of stuff these days about the importance of a good self-image and the devastation caused by a bad one. I would suggest that the only valuable self-image is one that reflects the reality of who we are. Anything other than that, good or bad, is a lie. And we will eventually have to face the truth. Paul told the Romans... In Romans chapter 12, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. So, I'm going through this EQI process right now. Anybody know what an EQI thing is? All right. This is, this is a thing that measures your emotional health, all right? So I got, um, I'm going through this evaluation, and they, this kind of, this tool that they use evaluates you on 15 different areas. And you do a self-assessment. You take, you know, look at yourself, and you answer all these questions. And then there's like 15 or 20 other people that you ask to do this assessment of you, people that know you and, and love you and care about you. And so, so then all of these results come in, and, um, and it kind of maps where you are in your emotional health. So here's how the map comes. So it's on these two axes, and you've got these four quadrants. You've got your self-rating over here, and the highs up here and the lows down here on your self-rating, and then how, you're, how much you were in agreement with those who rated you. Um, so, you know, if, if I gave myself a three and Beth gave me a three and everybody else gave me a three, there would be real high agreement on, on that thing. And so, um, so there's all these areas. In this quadrant, you've got your, the strengths that everybody agrees you have. In this quadrant, you've got the opportunities, uh, which is another way of saying weaknesses that every, everybody, you know, everybody agrees that you have. And, then, and over here, you've got you know, just your blind spots. Um, and here's where you're in great disagreement on stuff. And here's where you're in a little, you know, anyway. So anybody want to guess which quadrant most of my stuff fell into? Come on, come on. Here. Most of me 
lives in this, I think, really high of myself and everybody else not so much. And then the rest of my stuff came back. It was kind of scattered around. Actually, it wasn't scattered around. Everything else was down here. (laughs) My whole life is a blind spot. I'm looking at this result and I'm going, man, I think more highly of myself than I ought And I don't even think I think highly of myself. (laughs) See, there's a disconnect in who I think I am and who I show myself to be. I am wearing masks and I don't even know I'm wearing masks. And some of these things are sinful. Um, Some of them are just, you know, stupid. But some of them are sinful because they're hurtful to other people. Because I'm not taking into consideration who they are and where they are and how to minister to them. And that's not being loving. That's not being the things that God has called me to be. And that's just sinful. So I'm... I got a lot of work to do, and hopefully what you're going to see as I go through this, you know, painful process with, and I've got a coach, you know, who's, who's going to, anyway, um, hopefully what you'll see is a better, more humble, more authentic, less mask-wearing Keith, um, and hopefully we all win with that. Think about what Adam said to God in the Garden of Eden. When God said, where are you? Adam replied, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. Do you notice that Adam left out just one tiny little detail? That whole detail about me doing the thing that you told me not to do? You see, Adam couldn't bring himself to face the truth about himself. So he put on a mask and he, and he guarded himself with this half-truth, with this partial truth, with this generality. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He couldn't actually confess. And so he wasn't free. Friends, if we're going to be free, we've got to choose what's real instead of what's counterfeit. I was afraid not because I was naked. I was afraid because I did what you told me not to do. And I'm sorry. And I need your help because I keep doing what you tell me not to do. See, that's being real. That's getting honest. That's doing what Jesus called the church in Laodicea to do. And when you do that, Jesus says, I can help. We need to stop pretending that our lives are manageable under our own power and begin to actually make a list of defects that exist in us that we know we cannot change. We need to leave the theoretical discussions of, well, everybody has issues, and start using real words about ourselves like pride, 
and passivity and anger and lying. We need to confess that we struggle with jealousy or self-pity or, or worry or out-of-control sexual appetites or, or the need for prestige or the tendency to blame or whatever it is. We need to get real with ourselves. And when we get real with ourselves, we begin to realize that all of our Herculean efforts to keep ourselves unaware of those issues, all of the ways that our ego has, has built these thick walls of denial so that we can live over here and not see the truth. All of those things have not helped us in our effort to be free, to live in the freedom and the, the deeply meaningful life God intended for us to live. Friends, getting real is not simply advisable, It's really our only lifeline when we're living in bondage. What we need to know is that that we don't become mature enough as Christians that we outgrow the need for honest self-assessment, which then will always lead to confession. It'll always lead to confession to God and to others. You know, it was fascinating in the ministry of Jesus how often he called people on the masks that they were wearing, even if they didn't know they were wearing a mask. We often think of Jesus walking around saying, you know, very sweet, kind, gentle, gracious things to people. Um, He did that, but more times than he did that, he spoke truth to people. He told them what reality was. There are a lot of examples of this, but one is in Matthew chapter 23. And um, I encourage you to read the whole chapter sometime. But he's talking to this, um, this group of religious professionals who um, had not yet taken their EQI. Uh, and they were all living over here. And so these are guys that thought, you know, there's really nothing wrong with us. That all that, you know, confession and need for healing and all that stuff, that's for other folks. We're a million miles away from that. And so after listening to him for a while, Jesus did a real quick EQI for them and said, you are actually some of the most hypocritical people I've ever met. Outside, what you portray to other people looks great, but I know you're inside. And behind your mask, you are teeming with greed and self-indulgence. See, these guys weren't ready to put, you know, pen to paper yet. And so Jesus helped them out. He started the process for them because he wanted them to see how critical this process is for real freedom. Jesus knew that when the inside doesn't match the outside, there is real danger ahead. And real spiritual growth is not possible. And that real freedom and connection with God and others is absolutely out of the question until you get real. So what do we do about these masks? The masks of superiority or, or negativity or 
whatever it is you wear. What do we do about these masks that take away our freedom? Well, you start by trying to deal with the truth of who you are with yourself. That's what Paul was saying to the Romans. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Don't wear a mask that you show to yourself. At least be honest with yourself. Friends, I believe that the, the prayer that God almost always answers is, Lord, show me myself. Lord, show me myself. When you pray that, the Lord will almost always answer that, question, that prayer. And you know how he begins to answer that prayer? He begins by showing you first how much he loves you. He wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are loved absolutely and completely and that he sent his son to die for you. The creator of the universe loved you so much that he condescended to come down or he, he, he came down and gave himself so that we might be in relationship with him. Friends, that's how much God loves you. He loves you unconditionally, without requirement, that you do anything to justify that love. And that after that, and only after that, then God begins to show you the things that you need to know about who you really are and what He can come alongside of you and help you to change. And you can handle any truth when you know you are loved and valued. Can't you? You know, I... I get um, very critical letters from people I don't know sometimes. And, and I read them, and I ask the Lord to show me if there's some truth in it so that I can learn from that. But if I'm totally honest with you, I don't give it much weight I don't know this person. I don't know where they're coming from. I, so it really doesn't have that much impact on me. But when my wife, who loves me absolutely, who values me above any other human being, when she comes and gives me criticism, I listen. I listen. And I evaluate. And most of the time I try to do something about it. Um, not always, most of the time. Um, why? Because I know she loves me. Friends, if my wife's criticism of me can move me to action, how much more will God's words to me move me to action if I know that I am loved absolutely unconditionally Conditionally, by the creator of the universe who gave his life that I might have freedom. Whatever anybody else says to me just pales into insignificance when seen in the light of the truth of the relationship that I have with him. And I can listen to him and I can allow him to speak that truth into me and, and, and move me. 
You see, it's very important that you get your self-image from Jesus. He will never lie to you. He loves you and will tell you the absolute truth, but he will always temper that truth with his kindness and grace. And nothing he shows you will change the way he feels about you. You will always be valuable to him, and ultimately only he determines value. Hear that. You will always be valuable to him, and only he determines value. Once you know two things, his unconditional love and, um, my screen moved. (laughs) When you know his unconditional love and the truth about yourself, then you will be free. Why do we wear masks? Why do we live in the counterfeit instead of the real? Because we think it's safer and because we want to be loved. Can I tell you on the authority of Scripture and on the, um, and the voice of an expert, there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you more. He already loves you, Absolutely. And there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you less. Friends, God's love for you is never ending. And Jesus can give you the freedom to stop pretending. It takes a lot of emotional energy um, to keep the mask straight. But when you live in what's real, Jesus loves me, this I know. Then you don't have to keep expending that energy anymore. As Nicole said, um, being real is not as exhausting. The Apostle Paul shows us what being real looks like. In most of 2 Corinthians 11 and 12, the Apostle is bragging. And what's even more, he's... He knows that he's bragging. Now, a lot of us set the Apostle Paul up on a pedestal. I mean, he, you know, wrote most of the New Testament. He's, you know, this uh, apostle. He's uh, the first Christian missionary. But what we need to remember is it's the words of Paul that are without error, not Paul himself. And so in 1 Corinthians 11 and 12, we see this apostle, uh, writer of the scriptures, just laying it out there. And he's, he's bragging, and he's proud, and he knows it, and he writes, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. And then he says, I repeat, let no one think of me foolish, but even if you do, accept me of as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. And then, just in case we didn't get it, he goes on and he's, in beginning of chapter 12, he says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. See, Paul is, he spends two chapters essentially boasting and knowing that he's boasting. Do you see what he's doing? 
He's taking the mask off. What was behind his boasting may have been prideful and sinful, but he took the mask off anyway. God included this passage in Scripture so that we could see a model of someone secure enough and free enough in Christ to say what he felt, to say what was going on inside, even though it wasn't pretty. Freedom starts. Freedom starts with one person deciding, even at the price of rejection, that he or she is going to leave the play and take off the mask. Friends, I'm going to try to take off the masks. And that's going to be painful at times. And it's going to be maybe uncomfortable. It'll be uncomfortable for me and maybe even uncomfortable for you. But I don't want to play anymore. I want to be real. I want to be free. And when I read the scriptures, when I read Paul, when I read Jesus, I think what they're, what they're telling me is that when the mask comes off, pretty soon the costume ball turns into a real dance of joy. That's the dance I want to be at. I tried to take my mask off a little bit today, and I'll try to keep taking it off. Because I want to be real and I want to be free. And my guess is, so do you. The church should be a place where we can say anything and know we won't get kicked out. Where we can confess our sins, knowing others will forgive us and help us. Where we can disagree and still be friends. It ought to be the one place in the world where we don't have to wear a mask. And should that happen, should that happen, where if we just all let our mask down, the world where counterfeit is the standard will flock to our doors. You know why? Because freedom, real, genuine freedom, is something that everybody wants. Let me pray for us. Lord, I can. I, I'm thinking of a of another mask right now that needs to come down. I pray, Father, that for for me and for us as a congregation, that we will step into the freedom that you have for us, and. The only way we do that is, is to get real, to get real with ourselves and with you and with, with each other. And so I pray that, that 
as we prepare to come to the table. I want us to use these next couple moments um, and just ask you to, if, if you're willing to go to this place, ask God to show you yourself. Ask God to show you the truth about who you are. First thing you got to see is the cross. Because it's there that he says, I love you so. And after you see the cross, you can step into anything. In the next couple moments, I want you to just let the Lord show you one mask, just one mask that you're wearing. Jesus to step into that with you because he wants to give you gold that's refined he wants to give you white garments salve for your eyes he he wants to minister to those areas that are broken confess them to him let him step into them one more step that will facilitate freedom for you in that area and that is if you find one person somebody who loves you somebody who cares about you and you confess to that person here's what's really going on with me will you do that this week week and that mask will no longer keep you in bondage.